Feast High. Hello, podcast listeners. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 3, senior year, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And my name is Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 61 of High School Musical 3, senior year. Minute 61 starts out with Taylor apologizing to Gabriella. Good. Absolutely. <laughs> and ends with Mrs. Montez starting to talk to Gabriella by saying, and this. <laughs> and and this. And this. Shall all someday be yours. Simba. <laughs> As they stand on a balcony. We'll get to the balcony. Yeah. So, well, yeah, we're following up on the, the, the conversation between Taylor and Gabriella, which got a little dramatic in that Taylor was like, what's wrong with you? You can't throw your future away for some boy. Some crush. Your first crush. And... Taylor Dunn did goof and apologized yeah. for it, which is nice. Yeah, Gabriella's feelings were hurt because obviously Troy's not her first crush. It's a it's a real relationship that she's had for like a year at this point. Yeah. Even if it's like young love, it's still you can't invalidate the feelings because they're really there. Plus, you know, they met at New Year's Eve. So they've really they've really known each other for like over a year at this point. Yeah. And they've been dating for most of it, too, so. Did they, did Troy ever, like, call Gabriella? Like, they traded phone numbers, right? Did he ever, like, call her in between? No, that was something that they. I guess that was, like, two days later. Yeah, that it was, he, like, two like... days later, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I was going to call you. And she was like, so was I. Okay. It is a new year here in the podcast release world. Indeed. It's January. Happy New Year. High School Musical is a New Year's movie. Absolutely. So happy 2024 to the listeners. <laughs> but yes, Taylor's apology. Yeah, Taylor's apology. I like how Mrs. Montez comes up and just stands <laughs> in the background. She's like blurry in the background with her arms folded. Yes. So this is this is very interesting and, and a little bit perplexing even. Yeah. So in the middle of Taylor's apology where where she says it's a hug, she says I'm sorry, and then she sort of hesitates, doesn't know what she's going to say for a moment, and then she says I meant relationship. And Gabriella is just accepting the hug but not really saying anything mm -hmm. or or even nodding really. Yeah, which that is one of the hardest things to do. That I'm like, like, I've been working for a few years to like, not nod when people are talking to me in general, because I don't want to <laughs> like, especially at work, it's important because like, if someone's saying something to us, I need to receive it without necessarily agreeing. And it's hard. Yeah, so totally. I agree. I say nodding vigorously. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. No, it is kind of a... a converse like back uh, backwards unintuitive thing where it's like by by nodding and being like yes yes i understand you're actually like i'm engaged trying to get them to stop talking <laughs> yeah i'm engaged i see what you're saying kind of or i'm you can see i am listening because i am verbally giving you cues that i'm listening but at the same time it's kind of like not accepting an apology without forgiving or thanking someone for their apology when they were in the wrongdoing without saying that's something that's okay to happen again. Like, realizing that it's not okay to say it's okay to someone that apologizes because that belittles their offense. 
and like doesn't reaffirm that it was an offense that they conducted that they had to apologize for. So unless it, unless you really do mean it's okay. Like yeah. the response to I'm sorry isn't automatically it's okay in the same way that uh, the response to a sneeze is bless you automatically. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just restating as a way of showing my understanding and reinterpreting because this is an audio medium. <laughs> there is a sort of fundamental back and forth exchange where I can't just say yes for some reason. I see. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> we both nod at each other and that's the podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, but I love the way Mrs. Montez just stands just like and crosses looming. her arms, blurry in the background. It's like, why are you here? What prompted you to come upstairs? Presumably upstairs. We have no idea where she was, or was she just sitting down the hall? Like, which would also be weird. Like. Why are you here? Other than like Taylor's like, oh, shoot, I'm late for dinner, which feels like a sorry excuse more so than like. a. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this. So one, um, Gabriela's mom played by Socorro Herrera. I was curious to see if she had any like soap opera background mm. or even mm. telenovela background. Yeah. Wherein like a character walking into a scene and just sitting with their arms crossed for a prolonged amount of time might actually be a technique that you use as a way of communicating drama. Oh, but unfortunately. <laughs> but I don't think so. No, she's she's been in a couple small projects between 2006 and 2011, but none of them seem to be like, significant roles on a soap opera because that probably would have been on IMDb. Oh, yeah. But who knows? Maybe she has stage background that's in the same zone. But anyway, this is a thing that like parents do, I guess, where it's like, well, it's time for the friend to leave. So I'm just going to come upstairs and be like, okay, I'm here. That means like something's happening that you should go. Or maybe because ta- like Taylor sees Mrs. Montez and yeah. goes, I'm late for dinner. Is that just like, Taylor making an excuse so that Gabriella's mom can talk to Gabriella. And it seems like Taylor's like, okay, well I, I I'm done with this conversation for now for better or worse. So yeah, it does. It just the abruptness of it. Like usually I feel like if a friend pair has a disagreement of some sort or feelings are hurt, they're going to talk beyond like Gabriella says nothing after she apologizes. Yeah. And and when Gabriella sees her mom, she sort of rolls her eyes and sighs and walks away towards the balcony area. So she's kind of um, alone against the world right now. She's in a mood right now. <laughs> Which is uh, emotion diminishing a phrase, but I, um, I understand that you're saying it playfully. <laughs> um, saying that a teenager is in a mood it, like, is a good, like it is sometimes an accurate vibe. Um, just because teenagers are moody, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we should invalidate their experiences. Tyler, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it really is like way too long for Mrs. Montez to be standing in the background. It's so weird. <laughs> and it's like she's just blurry and she's almost standing there like in a pose. 
like she's doing that back to back thing with Troy and Chad. She's like, I saw that. I'm jealous. Yeah, it feels a little bit like there should be a rack focus or something to be like, oh, we're communicating what's going on like dramatically. Like a better director would have like either intercut like a quick eye contact between two characters mm-hmm. or done a little bit more with the camera work to to tell us what actually happened between those characters in that moment. Hey, what are the what of the few times that I I feel like I was able to say what what a good director would do and not just criticize something for being bad. Yeah, well, you're still criticizing him in your this is what a good director would do because it's what Kenny Yes, but it's but it's but it's constructive criticism in a sense. That the recipient will never receive nor have the ability to change. See, that's my thing with constructive criticism. Is like, yes, it is helpful, but only if the person can then build to make it constructive, that they can construct beyond, like, that it's growing. That is absolutely true. I, sor- I sort of see myself in this, in this zone as a little bit of a film critic, cough, cough, amateur, cough, cough, not qualified at all. But in the sense that if sometimes when I listen to other real film review podcasts, they will say things about like actual films and like make comparisons to people who are very good at filmmaking. And I would like to inhabit that role every once in a while. Fine. Just saying the writing is bad is not a very good argument. The argument should have some like foundation to it. So that was sort of like my evidence or suggestion. Okay. But thank you for keeping me honest. I appreciate your constructive criticism for me. <laughs> oh no, we're in a cycle. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thanking me for thanking you. <laughs> so Taylor like runs out of here. Yes. Like grabs nothing. <laughs> and just leaves. Here, keep all of the uh, yearbook the photos, stuff. You can you yeah. can clean that up yourself. Yeah. This is your problem. I made a mess. You clean it up. Because <laughs> she did Classic literally Taylor. just make this mess. <laughs> yeah, it would be cool if the movie ended in like Gabriella and Troy were on good terms, but Gabriella and Taylor <laughs> were like weren't friends anymore. You left my bed a mess. And that always is fun in movies where like. Sometimes a de- a relationship, whether it be friendly or romantic, that like defines the plot of a movie. It's just over now. Yeah, and you have to just accept it. Like Jimmy and Faye, and that thing you do. Okay. Yes, I love that thing you do reference. I was thinking about Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I didn't see that movie, but I had read the book. But it's been twenty years. Where Margaret and sort of like the main friend character, the the neighbor girl, yeah. who's kind of a not a, not a bully, but just kind of a lot and self obsessed and sort of imposes her will on others. Mm-hmm. Sort of aren't friends anymore at the end of the movie, or at least have grown apart, but in a very like normal childhood friend way, where it's like. Well, we're probably still going to have classes together. It's not like we're going to be like enemies now. Yeah. But it's like we had that year where we were a little bit close and we're not going to be close anymore. And I feel like that's a very like 
healthy way to describe relationships on film and TV for young people. Yeah, absolutely. Not that we're going to be friends forever. It can just be over. Yeah. But anyway, Taylor's late for dinner, which, again, is a weird thing. It's like, how did Mrs. Montez communicate that That, she's late for dinner? Yeah. It's not like she pointed at her watch or anything. Again, another simple acting thing that you could have done to say something. But we go out to the balcony of brooding. The, the balcony of emotional distress. I don't know. Do you have a good nickname for the balcony? Big feelings balcony. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not just brooding that happens out there. Troy had big feelings for Gabriella out there in past movies. The balcony of big feelings is where Gabriella goes. Honestly, I feel like every balcony is big feelings. <laughs> <laughs> No, because I feel like if you live in, like, a city and you have, like, the tiny balcony, that's not... Percy's mom, Sally Jackson. Hey, that's wrong, wrong show. Condra, wrong show. Big feelings. Romeo and Juliet, big feelings. <laughs> Maria, big feelings. That's a fire escape, not a balcony. But you were just talking about big city. It's basically the, the poor man's balcony. <laughs> I know. I totally understand. I think you will find that people who actually live in cities that have like a little balcony with like a chair on it, but really it smells like the cigarette smoke from the person next door and it's too loud and you can't see anything from it anyway. So it kind of just becomes a mini storage area. You still have big feelings about it, though. (laughs) You have. That's not where you go when you want to feel something. No, but you can still have big feelings. Do do I have big feelings about my bathroom? I don't know. Do you? Not definitionally. But anyway. Anyways. Mrs. Montez follows Gabriella to the balcony of big feelings, which is a a dubious move. Yeah. But we don't know. We we know very little about their relationship. (laughs) And they are a single parent-child kind of deal, so maybe... This is more normal for them. I feel like if you appear in someone's view and then you like and then like that person walks away from you to go alone on a balcony, you should at least be like, hey, everything okay? (laughs) (laughs) Just her shouting from a distance. You okay in there? (laughs) Out there, I suppose. Uh. Living in the sun. Give me one day out there. All I ask is one. What, what is that? That's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. So Mrs. Montez walks out and she says, I know high school feels like it's the most important thing in the world, which is the most belittling thing she could have said at that moment. Yeah. It's like, so I use that kind of phrasing when I'm training adults about how teens think. But like, it's more everything is the most All important. All I've ever known. <laughs> yeah. Like, Everything they feel is the most important feeling they've had. Like everything is amplified and especially high school because all the forces around you are telling you that high school is really important and you have to have the good grades. You can get into the college and you can have a like there's an overemphasis from outside forces just as much as the big feelings Gabriella is feeling. (laughs) But also enjoy it while you can. You don't realize how good you have it. Yeah. 
So, but like that's still oh high school is really important it is so important that you're gonna miss it when it's gone and it's like are you and and then we get gabriella character reveal in the third movie gabriella staunchly conservative not everything has to change mom i want things to stay how they are i, I don't want to adapt to new things <sighs> No, not no. politically, but that is no. how she's feeling emotionally right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, she's feeling a lot of things, and sh- she'd rather things keep their stasis than continue to be overwhelming and confusing. That's people. Yeah. That's humanity in a nutshell. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the strive for um, safety and consistency versus. The ever-changing manner of the world as a whole, in the in the very literal sense that like weather trends are often the best depiction of randomness in the natural world, mm-hmm. as well as just the human change factor, which is like you know your body and your brain changes every day, as well as every other person, such that there is always growth and new things happening. Mm-hmm. So yes. I restated what you said again. Good thing you're a teacher. You must do that a <laughs> yeah, lot. I, I'm just like, or is it, or is it bad thing that I'm a teacher? Like, bad thing that you're a teacher and a podcaster because your brain just makes you repeat everything everyone else says in other words, just in case anyone out there didn't understand it the first time. But I notice that in writing sometimes. Um, I don't like. I don't know when the last time you read like a sort of more like analytical essay was, but I sometimes feel like you read three paragraphs where there's basically making the same point mm-hmm. and you're like, I wonder how much of like this 30 page article could be condensed to like five bullet points. Yep. <laughs> because people are just really good at like rephrasing and providing evidence for that sort of thing. Like that's important. Yeah. And ex- explaining and making connections is important and making counter arguments. <laughs> Thank you for explaining how to write a paper. Well, <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, show um, lack of appreciation for the work that goes into serious academic writing, which is valuable. I wonder if that has anything to do with when we're all when folks like us our training to write good academic works. We're told it has to have a certain word count or a certain page requirement, which then reiterates the need to to repeat and rephrase and uh, reinforce certain concepts ad nauseum. But at the same time, we're taught to be concise with our language and say things in the most efficient way. So Not like, in like, history. That's that's the grind though. Like the grind is how do I say this efficiently, but also take up the amount of space I need. Yeah, academia is fun. Yeah, I mean it, it's all a scam forever, but you know it is also valuable to have institutions of higher learning where people can study and grow and learn about what makes us all the same and what makes us all different. And get a piece of paper and get into debt and be questioned (laughs) by society. Was that actually worthwhile? 
have things change on you and be like, hmm, is any of this relevant anymore? <laughs> it's fine. I don't have two master's degrees. <laughs> <laughs> but to find value in something you are passionate about, not everyone achieves, I suppose. Yeah. All right. So Gabriella doesn't want things to change. And Miss Montez finds that amusing, as we will find out in the next minute. And and you've said this many times, like, Gabriella's had this lifestyle where she's always moving around with her mom. And now she's finally found a place where she's happy and she wants to stay here. Mm-hmm. Perfectly logical thing for a person to feel. Absolutely. Overall, I feel like sort of this, like the setup for the scene between Gabriella and Taylor however weak we find this whole Stanford plot at least was like based on like preconceived for forebodingly foreshadowed things wrong show again (laughs) or at least things that have been set up with the writing this conversation just feels like well we need to have a chat between Gabriella and her mom uh cliches just just throw them around what what are we doing at least everything here is founded in Stuff we've already been exposed to, and it's not like, oh, here's a new twist in the plot halfway through the third movie in a trilogy. Like, everything here feels like, yeah, we know that Mrs. Montez is like this. We know Gabriella has these kinds of thoughts and feelings. Like, nothing, it it reinforces, which isn't great, because maybe it'd be nice to have something new for Gabriella, but also, like, it's not the worst. I think fondly back to um, episode 13 of Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, colon, Existential, existential crisis. crisis. That was That's <laughs> one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I had an actual <laughs> existential crisis on the episode, which was fun. <laughs> which is, uh, who am I? Who how? What now? <laughs> yeah. And maybe because, you know, it's a Wes Anderson movie and he's going to be a little bit more pretentious. Or a little bit. <laughs> invested in ennui as sort of a universal human experience. The idea of, you know, should I embody the person who I think I am or who I am inside? When will my reflection reflection show? show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's interesting, like in 13 minutes of Fantastic Mr. Fox, you understand the inherent drama of like, he's a fox. He wants to steal chickens, but he also wants to be a family man. And it could lead to like, what we had, which was a very like, <laughs> I had an actual existential, existential crisis on an episode. <laughs> Go have a listen; it's a time. I was uh, young, in college. It's fine. <laughs> Speaking of college and questioning everything, but the, here with Gabrielle, it's like this is your chance to have like, a, what am I meant to do? Do I live my life for love or do I live my life for career? She's a regular Ebenezer Scrooge in that way. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Christmas, everyone. Uh, Honestly, like, this is very reminiscent and apologize to the listeners at home for a second here. But like, this is Gonzo's song in, in the Muppet movie. I'm going to go back there someday. It's him trying to figure out his place in the world and he likes it here, but is there more for him elsewhere? Does he want to beat the chain? Like, 
But it's conversely, it's I'm going to stay here one day for Gabriella. I'm going to remain here someday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I want to hear Vanessa Hudgens cover version of When Love is Gone from Muppet Christmas Carol, because I think she could. I think she could do that it. Song. I think so, too. I don't like the cover version during the credits, which I know spicy take from Condra, but I don't I've no. never liked that song. I, th- I I I agree that the I agree that the whoever sings the cover version of When Love Is Gone in the credits of Moppy Christmas Carol is bad. I think the song in the movie as it's, it's placed is fine. I have come around to enjoying it. I do not, especially as it comes to um, proceed and set up the reprise, which comes later. That's fair. Yeah. But anyway, this isn't Muppet Christmas Carol Minute, which I don't know if it exists. Wild to do a Christmas movie as a minute by minute podcast, but I'm sure someone's done it. I would hate that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, you can find us on social media at Amateur Nerds on Instagram. Or on Tumblr at Wildcat Minute. You can send us an email to AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your favorite vanessa hudgens song i was gonna say let us know the time you had an existential crisis (laughs) (laughs) was it while you were listening to our podcast (laughs) or did you put on our podcast to relax afterwards (laughs) (laughs) be like man at least i don't have to deal with this (laughs) did i tell you about the time i was like so stressed out and wigged out that i listened to our podcast (laughs) to relax (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's really cute and it was an episode that i had edited too so i was so like i know exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. I-, <laughs> I was like i need the literal definition of white noise <laughs> our voices <laughs> that you have edited <laughs> there's no more jokes what <laughs> well like after well the jokes are all spoiled yeah Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at TGoldenArt on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at JoeWinslowMusic.com. I have been Condra. And I've been Tyler. We'll see you next time to find out what more belittling things Mrs. Montez can say to her daughter. You can bet on it. <laughs>